Welcome to the Whole Inspired Podcast, where women support women, we share stories, we inspire one another, and together we reach for more. Ladies of Whole, it's Kate McGee. I am here with Nicole Walsh, and we have a super special guest today, Shelly Paulette. She is the founding director of Locust Lane Riding Center in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Um, a mama, a wife, a mentoring mama, um, and, and a special friend in my life. I, I met Shelly um, almost five years ago, and she had, she's like a little angel. Uh, she's a spiritual gangster. She does so much mission work. She's just got this huge, open, giving heart. Um, and, and I've mentored, uh, or I've utilized a lot of her good works to kind of guide the direction of my life. So Shelly, you are a rock star. We couldn't be more excited to have you here with us today. Welcome to the Whole Inspired Podcast. Hey, Shelly. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's going to be a tough introduction to follow. <laughs> Thank you for all that. That's very kind. Oh, so Shell, why don't you get us started with telling us a little bit about your personal journey and, and kind of how you started and, and where you got to doing what all of the amazing things that you're doing today. It's, it's so fun to, to tell the story because initially things start out as not being fun. <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of times we have goals and dreams and aspirations and, and our life looks like it's going to go a certain way. And, and we plan for it to go a certain way. And then when it starts to, to get off that track, it can feel very frightening. And um, what I have discovered along the way is that if we to sort of release ourselves to go with that flow and to begin to embrace all the, the, the struggles that we have, it, it's, it comes together to form a picture that is way more beautiful than we would have expected. Way different probably than what we were shooting for, but, but what I've seen is how um, you know, things have, have, have grown in, into um, this, this beautiful picture that is nothing like what I, what I started out. Yeah. So, um, when I, in the, in my early days, I, I was a writer and I love to write. And I, I saw myself, uh, being a journalist in the city. I wanted to leave Wagontown and move to New York city and be a features writer for some big magazine. And I was features editor of our school newspaper. Um, when I went to college, I entered as a communications uh, journalism major and big goals, dreams, aspirations. I had lived in Wagontown all my life and never been to New York City. I just had this picture of, of the excitement. And when I took my first trip to the city, I was, <laughs> I was, I was devastated in, in a way. Um, and, and what, what really rocked my world was seeing, um, the homeless people, uh, sleeping in storefronts, um, to see, you know, uh, people who are, are struggling and hurting and, and living with, with all this, um, you know, with, with darkness, it was a, it was a much darker picture than what I had expected. 
um, because I, my, my whole vision for the city was just, you know, all the, the, glamour. the glamour and, the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I saw was completely different than what I expected. And, and what hurt my soul really was, was not so much um, the, the visual of, of the homeless people and, and all, all these people who were, who were sort of lost and wandering, but more than any of it, it was how all these other people could, could be completely comfortable with just walking down the street and not even noticing. Um, you know, as, as I was walking down the street of New York, noticing that people weren't even making eye contact. You know, you smile at someone and, and they're not returning your, their, your smile. And it just felt so impersonal and it felt so hard. And I thought, I never want to live here because I don't ever want to become the kind of person that isn't deeply affected by, by, by the need of, of all these people who, who seemed so needy to me, you know, needy in so many ways. And I was like, oh, God forbid I ever become that person who doesn't care about my fellow humans. Wow. So powerful. <laughs> so powerful. I mean, so empathetic and, and it's clear how, how empathetically you live your life. Um, and it blows me away from time to time. So that, that experience changed, changed your trajectory, correct? Yeah. Oh, oh, I think you're on mute, Chell. You're on mute, Chell. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got a phone Do I have you? Yep. You're good. Okay, good. Um, it, it changed my tra trajectory in a huge way because I dropped out of college. I was at Shippensburg University studying communications and um, I left Bible college. I mean, I left uh, Shippensburg and I went to Bible college. And I thought if I, if I, if I'm going to be, um, you know, I, I really had a goal to like change the world. <laughs> mm. And I had, I had no idea what that, what that looked like. Um, I had struggled um, deeply uh, in my own personal life uh, from very early on with depression. And, um, you know, I, I came from a, a, a broken home and um, I, I struggled. And what helped me um, in my young life is that I had opportunity to um, connect with horses. Uh, a friend of mine had a couple of horses and she invited me to share the horses and they had such a powerful influence um, in my life uh, in, in the sense of um, connecting in a relational level with these animals and what they brought to, uh, to my life was acceptance and unconditional love uh, on a level that I hadn't experienced before. Mm -hmm. um, the second component in my um, early life uh, is that I, I, um, I got on a Sunday school bus um, as a young child. Um, I think my mom was sending us to be babysat more than anything else because I didn't come from a um, from a church going family. And I um, got on a Sunday school bus and I, I went to, to vacation Bible school and I learned about, I learned about God's love and I learned about Jesus loves me. And I learned Bible verses that were, um, were, were giving me an understanding that, 
that there was a, a bigger picture in, in this universe than what I was just seeing. So, so finding, finding Jesus and, and, and being connected with horses, um, really, really helped me personally. Um, so when I, when I had this, this epiphany that I didn't want to be a journalist and live in the city anymore, I, I signed up for Bible college. So I went away to Ozark, Arkansas. <laughs> and, and I mean, if there's, if there's like polar opposites in the universe from New York City to <laughs> Ozark, Arkansas. <laughs> um, and, and I, and I entered Bible college there. And, and at that point, um, I was studying a, a dual major in Bible and in early childhood education. So the passion of my life was, um, was, was children, uh, enjoyed, um, and, and not, I, I guess children, because I always, um, I was meeting them like where I was as a child in the sense of wanting to be, um, for them who I needed when I was younger. You know, so there's, you know, there's this mentoring um, saying that is like, you know, just be the person that you needed when you were younger. Yeah. So I think there was this, the, there's this chunk of my life where I was really um, trying to, to learn and do and, and, and become so that I could be the person I needed when I was younger. And, and what, what was that? Like, what, what did I need that I, that I wasn't um, getting? And um, I think the real need um, for for everyone is is to to feel seen, heard, and loved. Amen. And <laughs> in my personal life, I, I just I wasn't experiencing that. So it's like, you know what? The world needs more of that. <laughs> I need to be someone who sees, who hears, and who loves well. So my journey took me to, to Bible college and, and I thought I was on the right track and was, but I, you know, I, I fell in love and got engaged and, and, um, and we were at the same college together. And at some point the, the faculty um, spoke to my fiance and said, um, you know, we're not pleased with this match. We don't think you and Shelly are right for each other. um they put the kibosh on our relationship and that was really (laughs) you know that was that was a that was kind of like the second real shift in 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 my journey because I'm like what do you mean like we were we were we were studying and and we were going to be missionary um he will be he would be a pastor pastor when we graduated and I would be a missionary um school teacher and we planned to go to the Philippines together and the faculty um said uh we don't like this match so that was very that was that was earth shattering because it it affected me um yeah well and did the, did, the, did the two of you accept that feedback? Did you guys accept um, it? He accepted it, but I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I was devastated. Yeah. And, and with that devastation came so many, you know, it was, uh, it, it never caused me to question God or my faith. But it really caused me to question Christian people, you know, so, so here we were in, you know, deep South Bible belt, and it, it's where you have that, that legalistic holier than thou judgmental kind of, 
and and I, I guess like they felt somewhere along the line that they had the right to, to, you know, to, to, holy, I don't know. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard any, I mean, I've heard of it within families. Like, yeah, oh, this isn't going to work. I've never heard of like a, like a educational institution stepping in and being like, actually, can you just, okay. Can you go a little, de- how does that even work? Hey guys, like to talk to like, you. What did they, did they call you into the office? <laughs> they, they called him into the office. So, oh and, and, and that, and they had this conversation. We don't believe that you and Shelly are really good for each other in the long term because your, your backgrounds are so similar. We think you should, you know, we think the best pairings are people who are, are kind of like, you know, can balance one another out. And we had both come from families of alcoholic parents. Okay. So, so they were envisioning the, the future, like two adult children of alcoholics were, were headed for some sort of meltdown somewhere. And I think they were thinking like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try to like fix this before the, before it happens. And, uh-huh. um, another thing too, is that, um, I think they just saw me as rebellious. Um, and, and I, (laughs) because it was, it was one of these kind of institutions where like, you don't, you don't, if you're dating a boy, you're not allowed to be alone with him. Um, there, there was like, so there's the six inch rule. You're not allowed to like touch one another. You're not allowed to be alone together without a chaperone. Um, I think you're not even supposed to probably like, I I don't know when you're allowed to hold hands, but you're definitely not allowed to kiss until you're married, you know? Yeah. In Catholic school, in Catholic school, we called that making room for the Holy spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I was like, this is some bull crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because that is my favorite part about, about you is that how real you are. Like, and you are, you do all of these good works and you're deeply spiritual, but you still embrace yourself as like a woman and, and with so many deep facets of you and you're hilarious, um, you know, and feisty at times, which I, I think we can be all of those things. Well, don't we have to be something? Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, or we wouldn't survive. <laughs> right. So, oh, okay. um, so this you know, happened, then what? <laughs> well, uh, so interesting. Like, so I, so I came home, uh, literally like dropped out of school and it's like, you know, after the breakup, um, and, and not like, I didn't come home right away because, um, <laughs> the, we, we were in a, in a traveling choir together so there were 14 of us who traveled on a school bus from from state to state all over the south singing in um in in churches and you know so so was this sort of gospel choir and um you know the the sense of humor is that i had to be on a school bus with this guy who basically <laughs> just dumped me and you because know we, somebody told him to because <laughs> somebody told them to and and they also told them like don't talk to her or don't don't like even look at her because you don't want to give her any hope that you two will get back together Oh my God. And it was just so bizarre. And, and it's funny because I learned all this after because yeah. he wasn't allowed to talk to me. There was never closure. And 20 years later, he comes to me weeping to ask yeah. forgiveness. 
And he said, I really, you know, I, I, I didn't handle myself well back then. I'm like, do you? You're like, like no think? shit. No shit. <laughs> and he's like, will you please forgive me? And I'm like, you know, in, in the last 20 years, you know, I, I, I've, I've forgiven you, you know, yeah. I, was like, I, I admit I, I cried over you for eight years, but between oh. then and now I've had lots bigger things to cry over. So yeah. we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, it was, um, so anyway, what happened after that is I left Bible college. I, I came home and I, I bought a horse <laughs> because I thought, I need a horse because I'm only, I can't survive this with, without, without my horse connection. Mm-hmm. And um, so I bought a horse and I started, um, you know, I kept it at a farm down the street and I started going there like early in the morning before work and after work. And um, when I was there, um, the, the owner of the farm, um, you know, he would hang out and talk to me. And um, he was this older gentleman who had just lost his wife. So his wife had, uh, you know, he'd been married for 30 years and had lost his wife and was grieving. And, um, you know, we started to chat. So in my empathetic, um, you know, take everyone under their wing, also known as codependence um, personality, <laughs> I, I began to, um, you know, just sort of embrace this, this friendship. And, um, you know, this, this could be the, the part that you edit out later on, but just so you all know, um, this man who was 30 years, my senior, um, we became, you know, like involved and I, I found myself pregnant, you know, so here I am like Bible college girl, who's not allowed to touch boys. And I'll be like, I'll show you touching boys. (laughs) Anyway. I mean, it really wasn't like that. It was just, it was, it's kind of like this bizarre, I don't know. It, it was, it was uh, when I, when I look back on that time of my life it was kind of surreal, but so, so um, pregnant, married, and then married for like a year when I woke up one day and like, I looked at my husband next to me and I thought, oh my God, what have I done? I don't even know this man. Like we had literally nothing in common, but our grief. Mm. And as the grief started to kind of, you know, uh, you know, grief runs its course and, you know, some ways. And I was like, what have I done? So I went back to my, um, you know, my Sunday school teachers and I was like, I totally ruined my life. You know, I, I don't even know what to do with myself now because I feel like I'm, maybe going straight to hell and uh <laughs> my Sunday school teacher said to me Shelly when plan a doesn't work out then you just turn plan b into your plan a and you do the best you can with living out plan b and you you love your husband and you love your family and now you just stay the course mm-hmm. and that was the the most freeing advice because he didn't condemn me um he didn't say yeah you you really did screw up he just said when plan a doesn't work out then you pursue plan b with all your heart mm-hmm. and i i think that became a a very uh, strong piece of of um of advice for me to hang on to 
you know, it was, it was life-giving. Um, the second thing is he gave me a scripture that, that became like my life verse and it is painted on a, on a wooden plaque, you know, bigger than life and it hangs in the farm and it's Jeremiah 29, 11 and Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. And I, I just grabbed on to, to that verse and that piece of advice. And I just, you know, started moving forward. So um, the, the horses uh, started to become bigger and bigger in my life because my, my, my husband was a, a horse breeder and trainer. Um, he did that for hobby. Uh, and you're muted. Shall you want mute? horses are you still there because I got it yep yep um when when the race horses would either retire um from racing or they would break down or they would not um be successful they would come back to our home farm and we would just have these horses hanging around and they were beautiful pasture pets but you know expensive and kind of like you know felt kind of useless so I thought um I, I need to find a way to, to sort of justify having, having these horses. And I need to find a way to integrate like my love for children, my love for teaching, my love for horses um, into a, a lifestyle that, that, will, that will fit into my, my vision of you know, helping the world become a better place. So because the horses helped me through depression, I thought, well, I want to make these horses available to other people who could share in the benefit of uh, equestrian activity without, without it costing them a lot of money because um, equestrian activity has historically been reserved for, for people of affluence. I mean, it is an expensive hobby and you don't really do it unless you have some, <laughs> you know, some kind of money tree in your, in your backyard. And, um, you know, we, I, I just, I, I, I became compelled to, to create some sort of uh, situation where, where people could, could come and enjoy horses. So um, that's, that was the start of, of Locust Lane Riding Center in the sense that, um, you know, having, having the idea, well, okay, I have horses. Um, we have, you know, we have this, you know, I have opportunity. Uh, so let me, uh, I started with, um, bringing, um, kids to the, to the farm who were, um, struggling emotionally as I was and, 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 and sort of just, um, uh, taking them under my wing and teaching them. Uh, they were, they were basically helping in the retraining process of these, uh, thoroughbreds so taking the the thoroughbred race horses from the racetrack and turning them into lesson horses and then I um, started a lesson program and had some some students and the relationships that developed from working with those students on a re uh, regular basis were, were were deep and powerful and they began to share with me you know like their deepest darkest secrets 
and they were beginning to share with me like their life struggle and I'm like whoa (laughs) you know I I don't know what to do with all this Uh, so then I thought well if you don't know what to do with it now you better find out Mm -hmm. so I started to connect them with human services you know some of them and then at that time equine assisted therapy and equine assisted learning was just becoming like a real buzzword in the um, equine community and they were offering education so um education in that if you were a horse person you could come and you could be educated and how do you how do you integrate your your knowledge of horses and your love for horses into creating a a treatment team where you can implement that for the for helping you know with um others and their mental health so in the early part it was um partnering with uh with mental health professionals who were also taking the same training and it's through um equine assisted growth and learning association and it is a you know it's a worldwide organization that provides the um the the format the structure the um uh you know the 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 tried and true method uh and and then i i i learned and 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 did that for um you know for for some years and then there's constantly you know, there's always more to learn and there's always new things to learn. Um, so then uh, more recently, I became in, involved with an organization called Natural Lifemanship. And Natural Lifemanship is a trauma-focused uh, equine-assisted uh, psychotherapy um, approach. And um, I am in the middle of uh, pursuing certification uh, for that. And in that model, um, it, it offers um, the ability to, to, to not, uh, so I became a certified life coach and I can, I can apply natural lifemanship um, principles, equine assisted uh, learning. Um, and I, I don't have to have a third party mental health professional in order to, um, to do the work. Because what was, what was happening, what I find continually, um, there are so there's so many people who who need help who who can benefit from from what others of us have to offer and it's it's really based on um you know re- relationships and and our stories right so so if if we can connect relationally to some, someone and um share share our story and the story basically in its simplest form says life is hard. <laughs> and, and I understand that life is hard because it's been hard for me, but, but I got through it. And if I got through it, you can get through it. And I'm here to come alongside you and, and hold your hand while you get through it. Ooh. And it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Mm. And many, many times, you know, people are waiting in the wings for, for, for psychotherapists and, and for the medical community to step up and, and provide services where in the interim, people just need what we have to offer, which is see them, hear them and love them. Yeah. So as a, as a coach, um, I can, uh, you know, bring people uh, to the farm, connect them um, relationally with with horses, um, provide guidance, uh, uh, you know, as, as they're, um, you know, pursuing wellness. 
And then the goal is to, to get these healthy adults who will now come alongside all these young people because our, our primary um, activity here at the farm is, is focusing on young people, um, group programs um, for after school and, and summer camp and um, you know mentoring for young people. And we're 100% volunteer operated. But in the, the years that I've done this, I, what, I, what I'm finding most of all is that there is a very, there's a lack of adult mentors who are, who are brave and bold and confident and, and healthy enough to come alongside of these young people. So most recently we, we've shifted to putting at least some of our focus into helping um, adults, particularly adult women, um, just uh, find wellness, physical, emotional, spiritual wellness, so that they are able to, to tell their stories to, to not just each other, but to young people for the purpose of, of helping them rise above and overcome the obstacles in their life. Huh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, so much. Shelly, so, so good. I think everything you just said right there at the end is basically what Kate and I have had as a kind of a mission for, for our group. Like you just want people to be heard, to be seen, to be loved, to feel included, to feel like they're safe to talk about whatever's going on. And you have developed an entire organization around that. And it's just amazing. And it, your story is incredible. It's incredible how, and I love that you're able to absolutely pinpoint your, your little pivots mm. of where life kind of was like, well, here comes plan B, C, and D. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to make the most out of every single one of them. And you truly have. And mm. it's just absolutely amazing. So Okay. So obviously I'm sure people who are listening right now are like, how can I get involved? You know, either they want to get involved. Like you're saying, there's not enough, uh, there's never enough people who can come and help and volunteer. So I'm sure people are going to want to know how can they do that? And then also there's going to be people who are listening and being like, I need to, to, I need this type of uh, support in my life personally, because I'm, I'm struggling with whatever. Can you tell us more about how people can get involved? Well, on May 15th, um, uh, you know, you and Kate have uh, planned this, uh, what I see as an amazing opportunity. Um, if we can get um, uh, people um, and I, you know, the, the kind of women who are involved in Whole Inspired are already there, they're, they already have a desire, right? There, there, there's already you know, there's the component of each of us that says, yes, you know, I, I believe that I can make a difference and I want to make a difference. And there's, there's so many ways um, we can, but sometimes we just need to, to find our, you know, to find the niche. So, so I, I think that coming on, on, um, you know, to this event, but there's, there's also, I mean, just uh, reaching out, uh, you know, through our website, you can get plugged in by, you know, filling out one of the forms because there are different, um, you know, there, there are several different sorts of opportunities um, where you can get plugged in to the, to the farm. We have, um, 
volunteers, adult volunteers needed for after school program for summer camp. And, um, you know, we that we can provide like minimal training and then and then on the job training, we're, we're really good at like, OK, give us your info, fill out your clearances. And now we're just going to throw you into some intense on the job training. It's like think or swim, sister, because it's yes. go time. Yeah. That's the um, best we learn. Uh, and then how about so I know um, so you're you know, I'm sure always excited to receive different donations that you can use towards the programs that you're putting together. Someone's listening in California today and they're like, all right, well, that sounds awesome. I would love to go there, but it's not happening anytime soon. It, are, are, they, are people able to make donations that can either go towards a certain program or in general to Locust Lane for all of the great initiatives you're doing? Uh, absolutely. Um, as I said, um, our our organization is 100% volunteer run, and we're also um, predominantly all the services that we offer um, our youth programs, other than summer camp, um, and private sessions are all offered free of charge. So any money that is donated can can help us in in several ways. One, one is through providing scholarships and the biggest need is scholarship money um, for, uh, to, to, get, to get people to, to be here um, so that we can provide the, the time and offer the services without, without it costing them a lot of money. Um, we, you know, we have mental health professionals who have spent you know, bazillions of dollars for education and they don't wanna work for free. Right. Um, uh, I mean, some every every now and then we'll we'll find someone who can do some pro bono work, but to to be consistently committed to to the work, um, it would be great if if we could pay some um, you know mental health professionals or additional life coaches to just help the the volume of people who need help. Also, scholarship money to provide uh, camp experiences for for young people who would never be able to to afford uh, a, a attending camp. And, and that's sort of like our target. When we when we started, we wanted these experiences to be available um, for regardless of, of socioeconomic status or regardless of whether people could afford so scholarship money for that. Um, another way that's really important and sometimes is overlooked is we have 21 horses on our farm mm -hmm. and all of our horses are here because um, someone no longer wanted them. Um, they, they either have become, you know, they're aged and retired. They're, they're no longer able to do the job for which the, the previous owner had them to do. So they, so they, they, they don't want them <laughs> or um, life uh, circumstances change for people and they can no longer afford to care for their horse. So, so we acquire uh, some of those and we just provide safe sanctuary for, for horses until um you know, in, until their dying day, because it's not a pretty picture for horses once they are no longer wanted. And then they're just kind of shifted through the, you know, you know, being sold from one person to the other. Horses are very, very sentient, emotional beings and, and they need a safe space. So we provide that, but then we also integrate the horses into our program so that they, they become, 
uh, a very, very important part of all we do because they're the, they're the real mentors. You know, they're the ones that are breaking down the barriers, um, creating a, a, um, a safe space and a blank slate for which people are willing to, to share their struggles. Um, and, um, you know, because they, they, we don't often, we don't always know what to say or how to say it. And, um, coming coming together with the horses it just it just breaks down these barriers because horses know how to communicate non-verbally mm-hmm. um the things that we as humans just have have no idea uh, how to do that and um they evoke a strong emotion so part of the healing process is even learning to recognize how you're feeling and and feeling what you feel uh, and, and someone holding space for you while you feel it and it can get messy and, and, and it, it gets ugly. And we as humans are, are, are so, um, conditioned to, to just suck it up and hide everything. Right. And, and you can't hide it from a horse mm-hmm. because they're there and they're saying, I see you and I feel you. And I am, I am having a visceral response to what you're bringing into this space and it forces us to deal with it in the here and now. So the horses are like super important to this work yeah. uh, and, and they need support too because it costs um, uh, $250 a month, bare minimum to, to just feed one horse. And we have 21 of these little suckers oh, here. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So. so please consider if you're listening, please consider it's, it's well worthy. I've, I've gotten to, to help provide a, you know, a, a bunch of kiddos, the opportunity to, and I call it to experience the magic that, that is locust lean and, and it is so, so, so worthwhile. Um, here's what blew me away about my, about your story and, uh, and and we'll have to wrap up soon, but a, I feel like you're a mentor in my life because you started where you were, you used what you had and, and you, you do what you can. And, and that's really all any of us can do on a daily basis. And I think you undermined minded yourself a little bit by saying, you know, it's not rocket science. We just have to show up. Um, but there's the, there's, that's difficult to do, like to show up open to carry other people's energy on a regular basis can be a heavy, heavy thing. Right. And we talk about this all the time. So Shelly, how do you fill up (laughs) Shelly in a fun way? Because I think that's probably crucial. And I'm sure that it ebbs and flows in your life, right? And there's minutes that you're doing it well, and there's minutes that you're, you're run dry, but, but what types of things float your boat? That is such a valuable question because until very recently, I, I would have not even known how to answer that Mm. because, um, uh, it it's it's difficult for me and and I imagine that it's difficult for for any any of us who are in of the helping mindset it's you know give and give and give and give and 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 then and and your your tank isn't filled up so um for me it's always been you know I I I run to the Lord you know and and I'm a I'm a scripture loving girl Um, so, so that fills me, but I learned very recently 
that, you know, God puts people in our life. We are not designed to do life alone. Right. And relationships are important. And it is really valuable to, to have a, a, a trusted tribe, you know, even if it's so, so thinking of, you know, even Jesus himself, who was, you know, ultimately, um, you know, perfect, (laughs) you know, the model of having his act together, but he, he met with large groups of people, but then he, then he gathered away with a smaller group of people. So he had, you know, the thousands and then he had his 12 and then he had his three and, and then he went alone to be by himself with God. But those other relationships were, are really, really important. So to have your trusted couple where you can, you can totally be yourself. You can, you can melt down. You can share your weaknesses. You can drop (laughs) F-bombs, you know, uh, to, to your, (laughs) you you don't want to drop them to your thousands, but you know, your, your, your trusted your trusted soul sisters who no matter what you say or what you do, they're, they're not gonna, they're not gonna judge you and they're not going to um, dismiss you or dispose of you. They're just going to meet you where you are. And, and for me, um, that has been a, 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 a real challenge uh, for this year, the relationships and embracing relationships, um, opening myself to, uh, re- relationships in a, in a deeper, more authentic, intimate way, instead of always, you know, being, being the, the go-to person who has all the answers. And, and I'm like, I don't have any, answers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just feeling safe enough to say, I, I don't have the answers and, and, but, and, and I don't know how to help you, but guess what? I'm willing to stand with you in this ugliness and I'm not going to try to fix it for you, but I'm going to learn how to be comfortable in just sitting with you in it. And, and that's what I, I'm learning how to do for others. And that's what I'm embracing as others are seeking to do that for me. So I, uh, perfect, perfect, perfect yeah. answer. Shelly, yeah. thank you for sharing your story with us. Uh, you are going to speak volumes to, to so many women that are listening to this. I can promise you that. Um, I am also super excited and Nicole, I'm going to speak for you for a second, but like <laughs> the, the mission of everything you're doing is so similar to, to what we're trying to do with whole. So I, I hope this is just the beginning of, of kind of a beautiful relationship um, between both of our organizations. And if you are joining us on the 15th, or if you didn't get a chance to join us on the 15th, please continue to stay tuned um, as more opportunities to become involved with, with what, like I, like I like to say, the magic, the magic of Locust Lane um, will certainly be available. Nicole, you got anything else to wrap us up? No, this was probably one of my favorite podcasts. I just Mm -hmm. loved the, uh, the realness and the rawness and the the true it, as you said the picture is so beautiful when you step back from it more beautiful than you could have ever imagined I mean I can't imagine if you were right now in New York writing for some <laughs> magazine and like in like a stuffy little outfit and it's just so like and now I know what I'm coming to on the 15th and it's like gosh if that wasn't there for me I'd be 
I, what a loss that would be. So, mm. so thank you for your journey because now we all get to experience it as well. Mm. <sighs> well, thank you. Thank Good you. chat, girls. Good chat. Yeah. Thank you, guys. We are Kate McGee and Nicole Walsh, entrepreneurs, mothers, wives, women, coming together, reaching for more. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.